Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Well, I just looked at the timestamp, and it was my next guest who alerted me to this major story that broke today from this whistleblower about the gender clinic at St. Louis Children's Hospital in Wash U. And um, his name on Twitter is Billboard Chris. Chris Elston is traveling North America trying to draw attention to this uh, gender ideology nonsense that's out there. And I think, Chris, you're in Oklahoma right now where it's been pretty hot. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I just got in. I was in Oklahoma City the last couple of days, and I'm working with legislators who are going to be banning this practice of giving kids puberty blockers, the opposite sex hormones, and doing surgeries as well. So things are doing well in Oklahoma, but we've got a lot of work to do across the rest of the United States. Yeah, and before I move on to St. Louis and some of the other stuff that's going on, I remember a couple of days ago, wasn't there a major, I, I think you even saw some people calling it an insurrection, of people that had gathered at the State House in Oklahoma protesting this? Yeah, I think they bust in people to protest what's going on in Oklahoma because they know that these bills are in the works. And I heard that some people even had Portland, Oregon labels on their jackets so maybe they bust people in from portland to come and protest this yeah well that, that would people in the capital making a lot of noise so again i and i don't think well i do follow you on twitter now you you somebody must have pressed like who i follow it got into my feed this morning and i clicked on it and when i started reading this story and by the way chris just so you know i spent a good portion of the first 25 minutes of my show this afternoon reading a fair portion of jamie reed for people just joining us there was a piece that was posted in the free press which is the fp.com jamie reed the headline i thought i was saving trans kids now i'm blowing the whistle and she says i'll just start it here i'm a 42 year old st louis native a queer woman politically to the left of bernie sanders and she lays out some disgusting things that happened here in st louis in this gender clinic which i guess if we're looking for some positive news chris is going to shine a light on this like maybe it's never been been shined before, right? Absolutely. I think this is an incredible day. It's terrible what's going on, and it's shocking to a lot of people. But I've known this has been going on for a long time, and I've been trying to create awareness about this, traveling around North America. But I'm a straight white Canadian guy. Not everyone's going to listen to me. But this woman says she's left of Bernie Sanders. She herself is married to a trans man, and she's worked in a very prominent gender clinic for the last four years. She left because she's so disgusted with what she saw, with the lack of safeguards in place, and nobody can deny what she's saying because she left with receipts as well. She's got emails and she's got all sorts of proof. That's what's amazing. She puts some of the emails in here. Uh, She chronicles this, and she basically says that things kind of took a turn in 2020, and she had worked there until recently for, um, for many, many years, and For those people, I would encourage people to go back to the start of the show if you want to hear the monologue on this on the Odyssey app. I've 
blasted this out on Twitter. The first one was, you know, retweeting Chris this morning. Um, but it's something that people need to see. Now, we have our Senator Josh Hawley involved calling for an investigation. She says in her piece, which is interesting, and we haven't heard from Andrew Bailey, who's our new AG, that she brought this to the attention of the Attorney General of Missouri, Chris. Yes, I love it. She's come ready to fight because she saw that all of these kids are struggling with some other mental health issues. Almost half of these kids have autism. A ton of them are depressed, have anxiety, have ADHD, have eating disorders, have terrible home life. A lot of them are in foster care. And the practice in these clinics is to simply put them straight on to these puberty-blocking drugs or the opposite sex hormones. They even, at the gender clinic, they provide the template for therapists to sign off on. So yeah, she admits that, that there was there, there's a, a template that they created that the therapist, and she basically said the therapist involved with WashU just pretty much rubber-stamped everything. Yes, they have one, maybe two appointments. And they're even sending kids from the psychiatric unit, kids with severe mental health issues. One child was sexually abusing a dog. Yes, yeah. And they just treat gender as though it's the problem and start these kids on these drugs, which end up leaving them sterile, these boys. According to Marcy Bowers, who's the president of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, none of the boys who start on puberty blockers at what's called Tanner Stage 2, that's the beginning of puberty, none of them as adults have ever been able to have an orgasm. So they are creating lifelong pharmaceutical patients with no sexual function. I did not know sterilized. that. Yeah, that's an interesting little point. I did not know that about the, the boys and the puberty blockers and what that would uh, present. That's fascinating. Uh, well, there's so much there's so much here, and I've tried to expose it over the last couple of years. Uh, when I first started, I jumped over from our AM station, Chris, here in St. Louis about two years ago. And right at that time, there was somebody that I knew. I never identified him, but he was a, a friend and former colleague who was going through a nightmare with his 13-year-old daughter. And, you know, she thought she was trans. There was all this stuff. There were pronouns that were. And then as the story evolved, he was sending me updates. And as you know, and I think anyone paying attention these days, the story ended up pretty much resolving itself the same way a lot of these do. Unless you go to the gender clinic at Wash U. She realized that she was going through a phase. She was embarrassed by it. She knows that she's a girl right now. And she's on the path to recovery. But it was a nightmare for the family. And that's repeated I don't know how many times over here in this country recently, and this is part of the problem, what's exposed here in St. Louis today. Yeah, 300,000 kids in the U.S. between the ages of 12 and 17 were diagnosed with gender dysphoria last year. That's official diagnosis, probably for insurance purposes. The number is higher than that. Now, what everyone needs to understand is this ideology is just based on ridiculous, sexist, regressive stereotypes. If you look at these children's hospital videos from Boston, that I tweeted out. We have the doctors at the number one ranked children's hospital in the country saying that things like a little girl trying to pee standing up, a little boy who doesn't want to get a haircut, or children playing with opposite gender toys. Yeah. These are a sign that your child is transgender. Well, then my daughter is There's transgender. I will tell you right now, I'm going to have to come to, I'm going to have to confront that my daughter who's going to turn eight in three weeks is, is trans. And you just broke that to me, Chris. Thanks a lot. But it's outrageous. Yeah, Gender identity means nothing. It just means personality. And what I always say is there's no right way to be a boy or a girl. If a boy's more effeminate, if a girl's a little more masculine, whatever. Beautiful. They're all beautiful just as they are. But these kids today, we're telling our tomboys that they're actual boys and putting them on meds and cutting off body parts. They're cutting off the breasts of 12-year-old girls. 
at Kaiser Permanente in California. The psychiatrist there, Kellen Lackhart, is on video admitting to it. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. And this story today is horrifying. How did you get involved in this? What was your motivation? I'm a dad and I have two girls. They're 11 and 13 now. And my kids are not affected by this at all. But I learned about this back in 2019 and I started researching it every day. And the more you read, the worse this gets. And I am not going to look back at my life in 40 years and say I knew about this greatest child abuse scandal in modern medicine history and I didn't do anything about it. And the more parents I talk to, the more it drives me. Because when you're sitting down for coffee with some dad who's losing his autistic girl to this, and he's afraid to say anything because the state might take his child away, and he's bawling his eyes out, this has just become my mission in life, and I'm not going to stop until this child abuse stops all across the world. You just said something, Chris, that, that really kind of struck me, and, and you're, you're not wrong. Maybe you can repeat exactly the words. This is the greatest child abuse in, in this country's history, right? This is the greatest child abuse scandal in modern medicine history. And it needs to be Absolutely. exposed. I, I, you know, we have not heard anything from WashU and Children's Hospital today. They're probably in meetings right now trying to figure out what the hell to do, right? But the other part of this problem is, is you're a guy out there doing this as a dad. I'm a talk show host here on, you know, 97.1 FM Talk. If the regular legacy media doesn't ask tough questions and demand answers from our medical school at Wash U and Children's Hospital, then that is journalistic malpractice. And as you know, most of the mainstream media has been refusing to touch this. The only reason our local paper did this today is because Senator Hawley got involved and is calling for an investigation, or I'm pretty convinced they would have ignored it. Absolutely. The letters LGBTQ send most people into paralysis. And we need to stop being worried about getting called names. We just need to speak the truth. Our children are perfect as they are. What are we doing giving them chemical castration drugs? This drug, these puberty blockers, are approved for prostate cancer, endometriosis in women. Same exact drug given to pedophiles in the past to chemically castrate them. But they don't do that anymore because it's considered inhumane. But they'll give these kids to, these drugs to kids for years. They cause bone density issues, all sorts of other problems. Kids are having liver toxicity. They're getting sleep apnea. They're getting diabetes. We don't even know the effects of these opposite sex hormones and puberty blocking drugs on their developing brain. But we do know, going back in history, all the studies into gender dysphoria, back when this just affected a handful of kids, 80 to 90% of them grew out of it. Back then, the majority grew up to be gay. So the exactly. gay community should be outraged by what's going on because a lot of these kids would just grow up to be gay, and instead they're getting sterilized. Well, you know what, and this is an undercovered story, because you say that part of the gay community is outraged right now. Do they speak up? They probably don't. But the older gay community is outraged by this. They really are. They just probably don't say it publicly. But I promise you, there's a big disconnect there. But good for you, Chris Elston, in being a hero in this. And, you know, somebody asked me, this was a couple of years ago when I posted something about this and, of course, was accused of being transphobic. Somebody said, why do you care so much about this? And my, my answer was because I have a little girl at the time who was six years old and she doesn't have a penis. That's why I care about it. And you've seen Riley Gaines come out and Bethany Hamilton now. So there there are things where the tide is turning. You've seen some of these surgeons even that have come forward in the L.A. Times and the Washington Post saying, whoa, wait, wait, we are we've made mistakes. Right. So maybe the tide is turning in a very positive direction. If we have to look at one thing positive from St. Louis, Chris Elston, maybe we've done our part in bringing some of this to a stop. 
Absolutely. The tide is turning big time. I've had more than 10,000 conversations out on the street. I go to universities. I go to busy downtown centers. Nobody knew about this two years ago, and now everyone's outraged. The whole conservative movement is now going. So I'm very hopeful. I've never had one doubt in my mind that we're going to end this child abuse. It's simply a question of how many kids are harmed before we do. God bless you, Chris Elson. Yeah. They can go to billboardchris.com. Billboardchris.com and follow him on Twitter. Thank you for you know indirectly bringing this to my attention today as it took off, and you've seen Abigail Schreier and Barry Weiss and others nationally pick up on this story here in St. Louis. Chris Elson, thank you very much, Billboard Chris. Thank you. Let me give you a little bit more details. I read a good portion of this piece from uh, Amy Reed this morning, but here she goes into another disturbing aspect of what happened at WashU in a children's hospital. She says it's lack of regard for the rights of parents and the extent to which doctors saw themselves as more informed decision makers over the fate of these children. In Missouri, only one parent's consent is required for treatment of their child. But when there was a dispute between the parents, it seemed the center always took the side of the affirming parent. My concerns about this approach to dissenting parents grew in 2019 when one of our doctors actually testified in a custody hearing against a father who opposed a mother's wish to start their 11-year-old daughter on puberty blockers. I had done the original intake call, and I found the mother quite disturbing. She and the father were getting divorced. The mother described the daughter as kind of a tomboy, so now the mother was convinced her child was trans. But when I asked her daughter had, um, but when I asked if her daughter had adopted a boy's name, if she was distressed about her body, if she was saying she felt like a boy, the mother said no. I explained the girl just didn't meet the criteria for an evaluation. Then a month later, the mother called back, said her daughter now used a boy's name, was in distress over her body, wanted to transition. This time, the mom and daughter were given an appointment. Our providers decided the girl was trans and prescribed a puberty blocker to prevent her normal development. The father adamantly disagreed and said this was all coming from the mother in the custody battle ensued. After the hearing where our doctor testified, the judge sided with the mother. Because I was the main intake person, I had the broadest perspective on our existing and prospective patients. In 2019, a new group of people appeared on my radar. Desisters and detransitioners. Desisters choose not to go through with the transition. Detransitioners are transgender people who decide to return to their birth gender. The one colleague with whom I was able to share my concerns agreed with me that we should be tracking desistance and detransition. We thought the doctors would want to collect and understand this data in order to figure out what they had missed. We were wrong. One doctor wondered aloud why he would spend his time on someone who was no longer his patient. This is sickening, so disturbing, reprehensible, unprofessional. This is the medical field. Now, I'll take these oaths now, the white coat ceremony, to be more diverse and woke. And this is part of it. Congratulations, Wash. You nice job here. Shaking like a leaf. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.